Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. to the Uncommon Drive podcast, where we take a look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Now let's join our hosts, Jeff Cross and Chad Ozzie, as we learn how to have an uncommon drive towards success. Well, welcome back to another edition of Uncommon Drive podcast uh, by two officials uh, that uh, is going to dig into some things beyond just that world of uh, baseball, basketball, and all of those things that go along with it. Uh, We're here talking about leadership, uh, about family, about entrepreneurship, and about life, and are thrilled that you've chosen to jump in and come along with us on another one of our drives. Uh, Today, we're digging into something that we touched on uh, last week in our intro episode, I'm back here with Jeff Cross, Division One women's basketball official, uh, and we're talking about the idea of how do you measure success? What does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to have arrived, to have uh, reached the, the pinnacle, the goal, whatever that might be in somebody's life? And so maybe just the best way to jump into this, Jeff, is, you know, how, how do you measure success? Well, that's a good question, Chad, and thanks for having me back, and I'm, you know, I think um, I'm hoping that people find some some uh, successful tools, some tools that they can use on their day-to-day uh, life, whether it be in officiating or in their regular job or if they're a business owner, whatever that might be. So um, I think this is a tough question. First of all, I think this answer can be different for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I get many people that call me and go, oh, I wanted, you know, 10 games or I wanted you know, 20 games or whatever that was. And I only got, you know, they wanted 10, they only got eight. So I guess my question is, you almost have to ask yourself, you know, what's the magic number? Is there a magic number for you? Well, I don't care if it's games or if it's $100,000 or $500,000 or a million dollars. What's the magic number that's going to make you feel like you are success? 
So, and for me, I can't put that magic number on it because I, I don't measure success by, you know, whatever that is, 10 games, we'll say, in a certain league. Okay, so... So if I only get well, eight, and, and let's put this in context for people just a little bit. So we are right now uh, recording this podcast at the time when basketball assignments are coming out for officials. Every day we're getting calls, texts, emails. Hey, has this conference come out yet? Hey, have these exhibitions been assigned yet? Hey, is this coming out? Hey, have you blocked off this part of your schedule? You know, that's happening right now. So... For those of us in that world, it, it, and if you work another sport, if you're another job, you understand that there are moments in life where, okay, the big contracts are coming in right now, you know, or the, the weekend series in baseball are getting ready to get assigned and that kind of thing. And that's the world that we're in the middle of right now as we're talking about this. So when you say, you know, what's that magic number, that's, that's one of the things that's on the front of a lot of people's minds, right? As an official, I would believe it is, you know, but as that person who maybe who's listening, who is driving on their way to their next business appointment, what's the magic number? You know, if you're a tra- traveling salesman or whatever that might be, and, I, you know, listen, I got to get, I got to get five people signed out of line this month. Otherwise, what, you're not a success? So, and I, and I just have a hard time with that because if, if five is the magic number, so you're telling me four is not good enough, but six is excellent? That, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't jive with me. Sure. So to me, success is more along the lines of, you know, trying to achieve greatness before perfection. You know, I'm not worried about perfection. You know, they, they say it in the NBA all the time, you know, let's, let's drive for excellence, not perfection. Because we know perfection is is unobtainable goal sure. for the most part. Not even just in officiating, but, you know, in, in life in general. I can't be a, a perfect parent. Yeah. I cannot be a perfect husband. I want to be, but I believe I can be an excellent parent or husband or athletic director or whatever that might be. Um, so I think those are the kind of things that, that help drive you towards excellence. And, you know, I think there's even, I could even buy into this philosophy that excellence is a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or success is a okay. state of mind. Sorry. So success could be a state of mind because... If I feel that I'm successful, I mean, I, in my heart of hearts, know exactly what I did to get whatever that is, eight games, 10 games, 20 games, or a salary of $100,000 a year, whatever that might be. I know what I did. So if you know you didn't work very hard at it, are you still going to call yourself a success? Probably not. You know, and and everyone knows exactly what you did personally to put into wherever you're at today. So if you're not if you're not doing well, and you know the guy next to you go, man, I wish I had, I would I would die for just one exhibition game, where maybe the next person to get zeros on. I don't think that's any, you know how is that a success? Well, one exhibition game is better than none. So I think it can go levels, and I think if we can focus on what work we've done in our heart of hearts, don't don't lie to yourself and go, oh yeah, I work really really hard. Yeah, so what time do you go to bed? Uh, 8.30. <laughs> okay. Then you get up. Uh, 8.30. Oh, so you slept for 12 hours and you're telling me you're a hard worker. Don't don't drive with me. Sure. I'm not saying sleep is, you know, we want to negate sleep. But don't tell me that you're going to bed early, sleeping late, and you're a hard worker. That, that will never jive with me. So um, I think that's where, where we're, we're just making that mistake. We're putting numbers on what 
you think is a success when really we should be looking at what was our day-to-day business like? What, what did we do from time, from every day consistently for months to years, you know, to t- centuries, you know, whatever that may be? How, how hard did you work on a daily basis consistently to where it almost looks to you very common, but as someone who's an outsider looking at this, that looks very uncommon. Why, why is this guy working so hard? Or why is this guy getting up at 5.30 to go exercise when he really doesn't? He, the same exercise happens at 9, you mm-hmm. know. But if I get up at 5.30 and I go do my workout or go for my walk or whatever that might be, now I can start my regular business at 8 and I'm not stuck behind the 8 ball. So I think that's, for me, the most important thing. It is a, it's got, I don't even want to call it a mindset. It's got, to, it's got to be you being truthful in your heart of hearts, you know, at the altar type honesty with yourself to know exactly how hard you've worked. And so many people get fine what they call success. And if you ask them how hard they work, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I worked hard. But they truthfully know that they probably didn't work that hard and got lucky. So. Well, you know, and the one thing is, as we were kind of setting this up, the, the phrase that kept coming up to me is not just what is success, but how do we measure it? And so if I'm going to measure something, I, I have to have a yardstick, right? I mean, I got, I got to have some sort of measuring stick that tells me, you know, how, how deep the water is or how long the board is or how high the plane's flying, you know, something. There, there's something that gives me that, that stick. And especially for those of us that have been connected to the sports world at all, um, one of the words that we hear that's almost become a dirty word to me is the word potential, mm-hmm. right? Oh, man, that, that player has so much potential. Mm-hmm. That official has so much potential. That coach has so much potential. And what people are saying is that person has all the tools necessary, but they haven't put it together yet. Right? Now, maybe they haven't put it together yet because they're young. Like, they shouldn't have put it together yet. But when you've got a college senior who people keep talking about all the potential they have, and it's their last year playing, mm-hmm. what it tells me is they probably haven't done the things you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They haven't added that work component to the talent that's there in order to realize that potential. Because if they had, they wouldn't be talking about the potential. They'd be talking about the outcome. Yep. You know, the fact that they're scoring 28 points a game and hauling in 11 rebounds and six assists, you know, that's the kind of thing they would be talking about. And so I think when we begin within our lives to look at, well, what is my, what is my yardstick? Um, because my yardstick is different than your, your yardstick. Mm-hmm. You work in different conferences than I work. Mm-hmm. You work in different levels than I work. Than I work. And so if I try to measure myself with your yardstick, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I'm in trouble quick mm-hmm. because there's no way I'm a success if I measure myself with your yardstick. At the same time, if you measure yourself with my yardstick, you are amazing. Right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know, if because if you know if my if my goal this year in officiating is to make X amount of dollars knowing the amount of games that I'm going to work and the levels that I work, and I do that, well, you can work two weeks and eclipse my, my yardstick mm-hmm. because it's just a different world, mm-hmm. right? Um, there, was a, there was a pastor, his name was Adrian Rogers, 
pastored a huge church in the Bible Belt for years and years and years. And uh, occasionally he would have these, these young kids who were in seminary or college come in and talk to him. And uh, one of them walked into him one time and was having a sit-down conversation with him. And he said, uh, Pastor Rogers said, I, I hope you don't mind, but um, I preached one of your sermons the other day at this, this little church that, that I'm at, and, and uh, I just hope that's okay. And <laughs> Pastor Rogers looked at him and had kind of a funny look on his face and then said, you know what, son? If my bullet fits your gun, then you fire away. I love it. <laughs> and I love it because there's no way his bullet fit that kid's gun. You know, I mean, your bullets don't fit my gun. You know, on the baseball side, I've got bullets that don't fit the gun of somebody else coming up. And see, they're just not the same caliber. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're just not yet. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I think becomes really difficult for us is when we begin to measure ourselves with somebody else's yardstick. Mm-hmm. A first-year official can't measure themselves by a fifth-year official's yardstick. A first-year salesman can't measure themselves by a fifth-year salesman's yardstick. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that becomes a, a struggle for a lot of us in, in, in defining success. Well, listen, you've hit the nail on the head. The worst thing we can do is compare ourselves to others. That is going to be the number one uh, thing that, that, that muffles you from your actual true success. It is going to keep you from reaching any potential. It's probably even going to reach you or keep you from reaching, uh, a, doing a job that you want to do. You know, if I look at whatever, uh, you know, person A who has a job, then I yeah, I would love to do that job. Well, maybe I'm not meant to do that job. Maybe I'm meant to do another job. But I'm so focused on what that guy's doing, that guy or gal's doing, that I end up following and I end up doing it. And I'm not bad at it, but was I really meant to do it? I'm too busy watching, you know, the neighbors. Well, the neighbors have, you know, a lawn care service that does this. I'll get the same lawn care service, so I'll be just as good as them. My grass doesn't grow like their grass grows. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I got the same lawn care service, but, you know, my neighbor waters every other day. I don't. So how come my grass doesn't look as good? Because of those things. So that is a huge statement to where when we're watching the other person, that means we're not paying attention to us. You're, as, as an individual, and, you know, how, how much work am I going to get done if I spend, even if I get up early at 5.30 and I spend 90 minutes trying to figure out what everyone else is doing, and then now here I am 90 minutes into the day and I haven't done anything. Yeah. Just go do, you know, and, you know, everyone looks at this this final product, whoever that is, you know, every, people can look at me and go, oh, yeah, I want Jeff's schedule. Well, do you have any idea what Jeff did to get Jeff's schedule? You don't have any idea. You, you may have a, a, an idea, I guess, but you're probably missing it Yeah. by 100%. Yeah. Yeah, he does this, he does that. Okay, but he does this. You think he does this for 30 minutes when really Jeff does this for, for an hour and a half. Yeah. And those are things that people just don't see. They only see the end product. That's all they see is when LeBron James goes out and scores 60 points. They see LeBron James scoring 60 points. They don't realize... That that game started at seven. He was on the court at six, shooting, shooting free throws. And after that, he had a solid breakfast. And then when he got done doing, he went and worked out again. Then he got rest, and you know, he did all those things before he even shot, got sixty points in a game. Yep. So that is a lot. A lot of people just don't understand that. And, and I think they can. And hopefully, podcasts like this will help. You know, bring yeah. that to light. Well, you know, now that. That I am an assigner as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and now in a couple different sports, 
Um, it, it's been really helpful to me as an official who's still on the court, who's still on the field while I'm doing that, because I understand that success is not the same for all of my different officials. You know, um, one of the things that I absolutely love, I, I assign at the at the smaller school level. I assign at the NAIA and the junior college level. There are there are guys out there, there are ladies out there that if they used um, if they used your your yardstick, they're going to feel like a failure mm-hmm. because they may have just come to officiating in their forties, mm-hmm. and if you're just starting to officiate in your forties it is a very, very small chance that you are ever going to work at the Division I level. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but the odds are definitely not in your favor. Yeah, just a timeline in general. That's right, because it takes, you know, the amount of years that you've got to see plays, the experience you get, the rapport with coaches and assigners and all those kinds of things, it just takes time. But I get to be the one at my smaller school level where I can walk up to one of those men or women and say, you know what, there is a place for you. There is an opportunity for you to come work because I see that uncommon drive in you that even though you started late, there's something different about the way you approach the game, about your work ethic, about the, the intangibles that you bring to that crew. And so I'm going to, to use you and, and may use you deep, may use you in conference tournaments, you know, things like that where somebody else that may be working a higher level, but they're working 20 non-con games a year. Mm-hmm. And when things really get tough, you know, we talk about it in, in basketball time. If you're working in February, that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I know right now there's people worried about whether or not they're going to get exhibition games. Right. I care a whole lot more if I'm getting a game in February than if I'm getting a game in October or early November. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it probably means that my assigner has a different level of, of trust. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I know this person's going to handle this when these two teams maybe are fighting for their playoff life, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a coach fighting to keep their job, yep. Yep. you know, because that's what happens in February. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, you know, I, I think that when we begin to be honest, not only about the amount of work that we're putting in, but also honest about the fact that there are some things that are just out of our control. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that magic number that you were talking about earlier that a lot of us have, and again, I don't care in what, what part of life that is, but that magic number, yes, there are things that we can do, and there is work that we can do, but there are also people out there working every bit as hard as anybody else that may not see that same measure of success. So when we know that happens, what would you say to somebody about how they need to be measuring success? When there's parts of that success that are just outside their control. Yeah, that's a good question. But we're going to go back to that question first because I want to touch on something. You know, we've talked about health before in a previous podcast. And, you know, why do you think assigners, coaches, whatever, players, they make a decision on your physical conditioning, even in your day-to-day life. They make a decision on your physical conditioning as soon as they see you. Because if you're in physical, if you're in a condition that is, I don't even, I don't want to say you have to be elite. You don't have to be in an Olympic condition, right? Or pro condition. You just got to be, you know, you got to have, have movements that you can do things, right? They put stock into that because if you have control of your conditioning, 
there's a real chance. If you've had the discipline to do that, then you're going to have the discipline to be successful at a job. You're going to have the discipline to go, hey, listen, I, I got the discipline to say no to the large pizza. I got the discipline to say no to a box of donuts. If we got, he or she's got the discipline to do that, then they might just well have the discipline to say, I'm going to work an extra 20 minutes to make sure this assignment gets done. I'm going to be there early to make sure that, you know, whatever, the people that are coming in are happy with, with, with the, what they see. And that's where we, it, it all starts with discipline. You know, that's success. And when you, whatever, however you measure that, that success is starting with discipline. And the only way that someone can measure you from the outside in is by first impressions. Sure. That's it. That's it. So when I remember, I remember this, I'll probably remember until the day I die. I went in for my yearly physical. And the doctor was giving me a yearly physical and having me, you know, touch my toes and, you know, do whatever I was doing and checking my heart rate and all this sort of stuff. And she was passing judgment on me on whether or not I was physically uh, able to referee basketball. As I'm looking across at this doctor, this doctor can't touch her toes. This doctor couldn't do 20 jumping jacks. Couldn't do a push-up. Now, I've already passed my judgment, so now you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that I'm not, you, you, you have the ability? Yeah. This doesn't make sense to me. And we do that on our day-to-day -day basis. We do it every day. When we walk in with a meeting, you walk in for a brand-new job interview, I can guarantee they're passing judgment on your conditioning. Even if, even if you're a few pounds overweight, whatever that may be, they're making a decision. This, this guy or gal's not put together. They're all wrinkly, they're unshaven, whatever that might be. You know, you know. It's all those things that we're doing, guys like you and I and, and other people across the country are doing every day in order to make ourselves be successful. So that way we can find that measure, that, that numeric value, you know, yeah. you call it a yardstick, I call it a numeric value, whether it's up, down, around, whatever that is, to put that numeric value on it. When really we should be putting the numeric value on what are we doing from the time we get up to the time we go to bed to find discipline that equals success. Well, and, and I'll piggyback back on that before we, we go on to that other question. One of the things that happens there, you're absolutely right, for people are going to judge things on first impression. Mm -hmm. And regardless of who we are, our age, our race, our orientation, whatever, we are judged visually first, mm -hmm. right? There are people like me that have to work really, really, really hard at that. Mm -hmm. And I can work unbelievably hard, and I'm still not going to look like other people are going to look. So, again, if I'm going to measure myself by their stick, right. you know, I'm in trouble. So I, I can't look to be the, the person that's going to step on the court and people are going to ooh and ah. I have to be the one that steps on the court and looks athletic enough to do the job. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I pull that away. But you know what? There's parts of the job that come very easy to me. Mm -hmm. Rule study, easy for me. I'm just going to tell you right now, I know for a fact that I can study rules easier than a lot of other people. So I, I can take pride in my rules knowledge, mm -hmm. but the truth is I don't have to work as hard at that as other people do, mm -hmm. right? There are other people, they can step wait, over the court. Wait, Yeah. The reason you don't have to work as hard at that is because you have found a discipline back when you were eight, nine years old and you've been doing it every morning and every day of your life 
to where now it becomes very easy to you. And that's part of it. But I think part of it also is just a natural proclivity. I, I think I just, because of the way I think, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think there's that there. There are other people that are going to step onto the court or the field or wherever, and they are going to look amazing from day one. Mm -hmm. And they could eat the large pizza, and they could eat the box of donuts, mm -hmm. and they don't have to go work out at 530 in the morning yeah. and that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that's important as we're talking about this physical aspect of success, because that is how we're judged immediately, mm -hmm. right? But that personal discipline is going to look different for each person. Their Amen. yardstick's going to be different. Mm -hmm. So, okay, they may not have to have a very big yardstick to work on their physical conditioning. Right. But they need a 20-foot-long tape measure when it comes to rule study mm -hmm. or mechanic study or handling their off-field business or managing a balance between home and work and officiating or all of those different things. So again, that's where this idea of that measure of success. Because if I just looked at, oh man, they're success because look how good they look. Mm -hmm. But they don't know the rules. Right. And they don't know where to go stand. And they, they don't know how to communicate well. Those kinds of things, again, comes right back to what you're saying. That's still discipline. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that, that person who walks on the field after eating large pizza and still is like an Adamas, okay? if they are going to rely on the fact that I'll just ride the short yardstick, they're going to get passed up. Mm -hmm. Yes, they'll pass the eye test. They'll look very much in shape. And, you know, they may get a few breaks here and there. But if they don't work on the yardstick that takes 20 yards for them to have success, they will find themselves on the outside looking in. That's why a guy like yourself, who conditioning, you know, it was very, very difficult for you. And you it, it, that took even more discipline than the, you know, the rules knowledge. And that is where, but it still comes back to discipline. You're transferring that same discipline into a different, absolutely different measurement. Yep. So when you take that discipline from, okay, listen, learning is easy for me. I can read books. I can retain. I can do all that stuff. It's easy for me. Yeah. So I got to take that same discipline and move it into health and conditioning. Correct. When I do that, now I, it's already easy for me to do this. Now let's put it in the, the, yeah. the discipline that I learned back when I was eight, nine years old mm -hmm. from education and move it into physical conditioning. And, and I just think it's important that we, that we talk about that because I, I know what it's like when, when we're listening to something like this. Mm -hmm. Okay, all of a sudden we start talking about physical conditioning. Mm -hmm. There's a group that just immediately turns off their ears, yep. right, because we don't want to hear it because we know it's true about us. Yep. And we don't want to do anything about it. There's another group that turns it off because that's just not a worry for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not a deal. But on both sides, it's still super important for us to realize that that discipline carries through all of those different avenues of what we do. Yeah. So now let's come back around to this idea. What do we do when there are elements of our success that are outside of our control? Yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, as I've said before, I don't want to pay attention to what the neighbors are doing. And that is out of my control. I can't, I, I can't control that my neighbor has, you know, unlimited water supply to water the grass and, and has, you know, unlimited lawnmowers to cut their grass and all those things. I can't control that. I can only do what I have. Um, I think also is sometimes we think, we get set in our head that we need A, B, and C to make D happen. Mm-hmm. And the only way, it, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you an example. At our school, when we replanted our soccer field, we didn't have an irrigation system. 
Okay, so we don't have anything, no automatic sprinklers. We don't have anything. We got a bunch of construction guys that are working and they're working with all these big machines, la la la, and you know, all these things. And I'm out there with my one little sprinkler with, you know, 200 feet of hose hooked up to the spigot and I'm moving it around every two hours and I'm moving it, you know, 30, 40 yards every two hours all day, every day for the whole summer. And the first day I did it, the construction guy comes over and says, well, you're going to be out here all summer. Yep. I yep. might be. Sure I might very well be out here all summer. And that's way better than going, can't do it because I don't have an irrigation system. I don't have an automatic sprinkler. I don't have the big machinery. Well, that, that is where people make the biggest mistake because they don't have what the neighbor has or the, you know, the, the, the other employee has. They think it can't be done. And I think that is the biggest mistake people make. Quit worrying about what other people have in order to think they, they had these three things in order to make it work. Do you need those three things? No. You just need the final product. You know, and, and, and I've said this before, and I haven't said it on this podcast, but, you know, I'm an athletic director at a high school with a high school degree. How's that work? You put 100 people together and you ask them that, they're going to say, well, you can't get it unless you have a college degree. Watch me. Why can't I? Just because I don't have A, B, and C doesn't mean I can't get the D. I may have to do different things. I may have to do A, B, C, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L before I get the D. And I'll have to work twice as hard or three times as hard, whatever that may be. But it can be done. And that's where we make those mistakes, I believe. Um, we're going to continue this discussion uh, next week. Um, and we're going to talk about some of the nuts and bolts about how we begin to find success. And part of that being how we help other people find success and how that brings us success. So I hope this week as you are making uh, your drive wherever you got to go, as you've got that windshield time, if you're heading to a game, if you're heading to a business meeting, if you're heading home after work, whatever it might be, it's our hope that it's an uncommon drive and that you have an uncommon drive to make great things happen. See you next week. Thanks for being a part of the Uncommon Drive podcast. We hope that you will check us out online, that you'll give us a five-star rating, and that you'll subscribe so that we can share more content like this with you in the future. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.